Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I think it's because their picture of authenticity also entails that they are worthless. And that's why we can be authentic and feel like an imposter. Because self-doubt is, is, is just something what we do, especially if we are faced with a challenge which is very new and big for us. So it's really about the intention and the humanity behind. Yes. And dick to who you are. Hi, I'm Dr. Amy Robbins, and welcome to Life, Death, and the Space Between. If you are someone who has been following spirituality or self, or been in the self-help space for a while, then you have definitely heard of Mind Valley, one of the leading publishers in the personal growth space. Today, I am so honored to welcome Christina Mondlakiani, who co-founded Mind Valley. I know we are going to have an amazing conversation about how she started Mind Valley and how we can accept ourselves, flaws and all. Welcome, Christina. Thank you, Amy, for giving me the chance to share. So, can you start by telling us what propelled you to start Mind Valley? Well, um, for me, it was more of an accident, a coincidence, because I had my own path in life and um, it was my then husband, Vishen, who was very passionate about personal growth. And uh, we had married uh, about the same time when we started Mind Valley, so just a little bit before that. And I moved to New York where he was living. Uh, I moved from Europe. I left behind my career and everything. So I had to start mm-hmm. from, from pretty much uh, from you know, from uh, scratch. And um, I was helping... I was helping my then husband with, with his business. That's how I ended up in Mind Valley. So it wasn't my conscious choice. And it, I, I wasn't even passionate about personal growth for quite a few years. So for me, it was more mm. like, how, how can I keep myself useful? Um, and then, uh, and, and I was still trying to make my own um, choices in life and my own career. But um, after, mm-hmm. after some years, um, it, um, it, it became clear that this, this was the right place to be. It's just sometimes we don't know how we end up on the right path. 
Right, right. And you have learned and worked with some of the best from around the globe in terms of personal growth. So tell us what makes your book, Becoming Flossom, different. I love the name, Flossom, (laughs) different from so many other teachers and books that you have read so far. Like what propelled you to write this that you saw Mm -hmm. was missing in this space that you were so well-versed in? Well, uh, I would say that uh, nowadays nothing that we say is completely new because humanity has been <laughs> has been telling stories to each other for 10,000 years, if not more. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the things have been said. I mean, in my opinion, the first uh, beginnings of the personal growth probably started with the first um, the first stories we started telling each other. Even mm-hmm. if you think if you think of our industry right now, people are um, thinking of Stoics of uh, a few thousand years back. So that's, uh, in a way, it's a little bit um, futile to try to say something completely new. The other thing is, of course, we we say things in a different way. And uh, while uh, even now when I'm reading some books, some books speak to me because they, they say the same thing, but just in a very different way. But what makes my book very different is that it's not, a um, for, well, for, for one, I was writing it to be self-published. So it doesn't follow a lot of conventions. Of course, it's been a bit brushed up when I started working with a publisher, but uh, initially it was a very rebellious kind of book. Uh, I value a uh, I just value literature and language very much. So it's not a very didactical sounding book. It's, of course, I'm sharing things which might be, uh, I hope, which might be useful to my readers, but mm-hmm. I'm not trying to teach anyone any lessons. Um, mm-hmm. So, well, at least I'm not trying. <laughs> and then... Um, in addition to that, I guess the the, the one that uh, marketers love the most is because I've been in the industry for twenty years. Of course, I know uh, I know it's uh, like my own. So there are a few things which uh, I think we are getting a little wrong, and <laughs> I, I'm never shy to mention that. So while it is definitely a book in uh, in our industry, in the personal growth and and, and self help, uh, well, on the on the shelf in the bookshop, it will be on self help uh, bookshelf, but. I also think that um, that we we have to be we have to be honest about um, about what we are. So I, I'm not shy to say where we do things wrong. Where do you think we do things wrong in the self help industry? Sometimes we romanticize it, and uh, there are a lot of things uh, which which uh, uh, we're getting wrong. But I, I didn't write the book to make an expose of the industry, so there is no system behind it. It's just that once in a while I might say that you know uh, uh, we we're mistaken here. For example, sometimes we are um, we're so uh, focused on on the surface, or let's say on the practices on the Mm, on the rituals that we are forgetting the essence why we are doing certain things or for example uh, or we replace one uh, one set of dogma with another set of dogma there's a lot of that as well where uh, people break out from societal expectations and, and peer pressure and say you know I don't want to follow the rules anymore and then they fall into another set of rules which just seem to be different but in essence it's 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 still uh, in a way, dogmatic. Uh, there, there are a lot of things we can talk about, but uh, I wouldn't want to be known as the person who takes stabs at my own industry. It's just, it's just that when I talk about it, I usually don't close my eyes on those things. Right, 
Right. So can you get us started by helping uh, helping me and my listeners understand why do you see people choosing success over happiness? Uh, well, uh, th there are probably a lot of ways to explain it, but one of the ways would be that uh, it's it's something subconscious in a way. Uh, so, for example, we most of us want to be good, and of course, there are different ways to to explain what it means to be good, but. Uh, but being successful is, in a way, is part of the picture. Imagine if you're a child about to go out in, in the world and you want to please your parents. Usually children want to be, uh, want to make their parents uh, proud. So we go for success uh, to be liked, to be admired, to be, as I say, good. Uh, another reason why we go for success is uh, because we believe that this is uh, a sure path to happiness. We don't know what happiness is, so at least we could chase success. Uh, and we don't like, um, you know, we don't we, we don't like taking risks. And success seems to be this ex uh, explicable and easy thing. Not easy thing as in uh, achieving success. Nobody says that achieving success is easy, but we understand it because, again, because it's ritualistic. That's what I was talking about just a moment ago. That we like to stay on the surface uh, and. Um, success uh, we we have we kind of believe that we have the formula work hard <laughs> work a lot do the right thing and you'll be successful and uh, everybody knows what it means to work hard you put more hours so these are these are easier things than trying to chase something which is not inexplicable or maybe mm. not so tangible uh, happiness is inexplicable and intangible both success is a uh, practical thing. You can measure success. You can say uh, a certain amount of income is success or a certain amount of recognition is success. Yet, what mm -hmm. does happiness mean? So because these, um, you know, when we, we when we have a choice between something which we kind of understand, even if it seems to be hard to achieve, but uh, and then on the other hand, we have something which uh, is like a unicorn, we kind of nice. It's beautiful. We know it's nice and beautiful, but we don't know where to, to look for it. So it's kind of natural to go for things that we know how to do. We know how to put more hours into our success. What does you you started to talk a little bit about this, and I think this is what you're referring to is this notion of like pushing, right? Like pushing. You call it hustling. Um, how do we find our flow, what people have called the flow state? And how would you mm -hmm. define that state of being as a way of being, you know, as a way of ease rather than that push that I think certainly in Western society we're very, very used to is that the harder you push, you know, the harder you grind, the more successful you'll be. Well, yeah, hustle is uh, is probably like very closely tied to the idea of success. It has been popularized recently, the idea of hustle. Uh, of course, the, the meaning of the word has been changing, but uh, it, it is about grinding. It's about uh, working hard. It's about sacrifices, because sacrifice is something which, which we also equate to success. Now, I don't talk about flow per se, because there are authors and teachers of uh, the state of flow. I think uh, most notably, probably, you know, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, who was the first one to mention that state. Why I'm not so interested in the state of flow. I do write about it in my book as opposed to hustling, uh, but why I'm not so interested because it is essentially still about productivity. 
And yes, I do bring it up in the very beginning of the book as opposed to hustling. And I am not going to say anything dramatically unexpected that success is not just about the hours that you put in the work. I mean, it's uh, if those, those people who have done business, they know that it's not man hours that pay in business. It's usually the ability to take the risks or to look out of the box or to mm -hmm. shoot for something that others are not re willing to do. So it's it's way beyond that uh, selling your time for money. Uh, selling your time for money has a glass ceiling, a very clear glass ceiling. So uh, in business and in productivity, yes, opposed to hustling, hustling is like being in a hamster's wheel would be um, being in a different state, which is not structured. And in uh, in literature, it's known as the state of flow. Uh, of the, the, There are a lot of contemporary authors also who write about that. I prefer to use the word surfing because I don't want to distract people into the ideas of flow so much. And surfing is uh, literally how it looks on the sea. It's, it's a little dot who bobs on the waves far, far out in the sea. And then when mm -hmm. the wave mm -hmm. comes, uh, the, the surfer rides, rides the board all the way to the shore. I believe that creativity happens in this kind of state where, uh, where your, your speed is big and you're, you're, you're going, you are not functioning in the same, um, you know, in the same two-dimensional paradigm of here's my time and here's my, you know, the money that you earn with your time. But as I, as I, as I made a disclaimer when I started answering the question, I, I, I'm not too stuck on that idea because it is still about productivity. We understand the Pareto right. principle about productivity. You know, 20% of your uh, work creates 80% of result, although Pareto principle is also a little bit misapplied here. But uh, I, I actually encourage people who read my book to go further, to go beyond just the uh, dilemma between, you know, am I going to hustle to success or am I going to serve to success? I want to go a step further and question, is it success or is it happiness that I care about? And mm. how, are they, how are they connected or how are they different and how are they contradictory? Because these are two different things. And I think there is some overlap and you can probably um, benefit that overlap. But success is not my uh, topic of research. It's more a hook into what I'm talking about because why people, uh, I talk about self-love. And why people don't mm -hmm. bother about self-love because they think that being successful or working or having a meaning or being productive or, you know, all those, all those savory things are much more important than self-love. That's why I, uh, I talk about success in the first place, because I want to challenge people. And you also talk pretty directly about authenticity, which I <laughs> feel like is so important. And... And I think this is a big premise of the book. And so I would really love for you to help explain this notion of coming from an internal place of authenticity versus an external place of authenticity. Yeah, authenticity has been a little bit um, jaded nowadays because they, this this word has become fashionable. I think uh, about the same time when we started talking about vulnerability, uh, and in again here 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 I'm in this character of you know taking a stab at our industry. We are almost. Uh, 
we almost demand authenticity of people as if this is something that they uh, owe to the world. Uh, so mm. to explain how I see authenticity, uh, I have to give a little bit of a context. So I believe that... Um, that there is a very important relationship in everybody's life. It's a relationship with yourself. And mm -hmm. um, that relationship is very often taken for granted or uh, is not prioritized enough. Uh, again, let's not even go into why we do that. But uh, I want to bring an analogy with other relationships. Any relationship that you ta take in your life, whether it's your lover, your children, or, uh, or your friends, uh, for a relationship to thrive, for it to be healthy, you have to pay attention to it at least. Mm -hmm. Be present, be committed, be compassionate, all those little components which make a relationship thrive. Now, a lot of the times what happens in our life is that we take certain relationships for granted just because we are too busy, we don't have time for them. Uh, and we kind of believe that they're going to be okay. So if you take a relationship for granted, uh, if you are never there for, for your loved one, or if you're too busy, or if you prioritize something else above another person, whether it's your child, your lover, your friend, or whoever it is, then the natural consequence is that that relationship starts to deteriorate and it stops mm -hmm. being healthy. The same is true about our relationship with ourselves, And very often, mm -hmm. unfortunately, we take our relationship with ourselves for granted. And we are neither present for ourselves, nor are we compassionate. We're not even committed. So, and I'm, of course, I'm generalizing. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we have pretty messy relationships with ourselves. Now, authenticity, in my opinion, is the result of your healthy relationship with yourself. Because, again, let's take an analogy with anybody else. You truly have a good relationship if you dare to be yourself. In that case, that relationship what does is that fulfilling. What mean for people, well, this right? Is... Like, how do people even begin to know themselves? I mean, this is a struggle, right? When we're in this this world of facades and masks, which you talk about, where is it that but... people can start to get tap into that authentic self? For those of you who have reached out on Patreon and donated, thank you so much for heeding that call. Thank you. If you have not yet supported the podcast, please go to Patreon, put in Dr. Amy Robbins, and there is an opportunity to support at whatever feels comfortable for you. It helps me with the production costs. My small, very small, but mighty team, it helps keep all of that running. So if you are a fan of the podcast, please consider donating whatever feels good to you, $5 a month, $20 a month, please take a minute and donate. Also, I am so excited that my course that I have been working on for years is getting ready, We're getting closer. It will be launched at some point this year. So if you're interested, please go ahead and put yourself on the wait list on my website at dramyrobbins.com. Also, if you happen to have any companies that you think are aligned with the vibe of this podcast, I'm looking for sponsorships as well. And the best thing you can do to help this podcast is to spread it via word of mouth. I know so many of you have already said, I've shared this with my friend or even therapists have shared it with their patients and patients have shared it with therapists. If you love the podcast, please, please share it. We have an online global reach here. So go ahead, tell your friends, tell your family, rate and review the podcast. Just spread the word so we can continue 
spreading messages of love and light and consciousness and awareness and science and spirituality and just how to live the most meaningful life that you possibly can. Please support Life, Death, and the Space Between. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Bumble and Bumble Seaweed's invigorating shower ritual feels like an escape. Start with nutrient-infused shampoo and conditioner. The formula infused with royal sugar kelp, green microalgae, and Pacific sea kelp helps keep your scalp hydrated. Then open your jar of seaweed whipped scalp scrub to add two times more shine to your hair instantly. And before you head out, use seaweed air dry cream to give your hair that effortless beach look. Make your shower feel like an oasis with the Bumble and Bumble Seaweed Collection. Dive in now at bumbleandbumble.com. So, so finishing that um, analogy, you know, you know when you can just be yourself with someone, you can be quiet, you don't need to speak, mm-hmm. you don't need to fill the, the void. That usually happens when you have that comfort that I can just be me and nobody's going to judge me. So mm-hmm. by that, and that's why, why I talk about that is because authenticity is really being true to yourself. And now I think it applies to relationship with yourself. And um, what I say in, in my book is that it's, it's uh, the, the, the mark of the health of your relationship with yourself. So naturally it's a force without direction. And the moment you give authenticity direction, it stops being authenticity. It can be something else. And I'm not saying it's bad. It just stops being authenticity because authenticity is being true to yourself. If you are authentic for someone else, that vector gets a direction and it becomes about your relationship with the outside person. So, uh, and, and I think this is an important aspect because in contemporary world, we tend to use authenticity as a crown, as a shield, shield even, mm. as, a, as, a, you know, as an ornament, as something to be proud of. Whereas the moment you use it in the, uh, to the outside, it kind of, def- it, it, it corrodes the essence of the phenomena. Mm-hmm. But I'm just wondering, as I'm listening to you, how much 
we can use our relationships in a way, and maybe this is what you're saying, to help us tap into our own authenticity because it's when, like sometimes I'll have the experience where I'm out with a group, you know, different groups of people, different groups of friends, and I find myself noticing, not really comfortable in this. This doesn't feel like I can really be me here. Mm. But then in noticing that, then I know, then it gives me more insight into what me is. Uh, I believe right? that, does that uh, make sense? It, it does. So I think that, uh, so I focus in my book and in my work, I mostly focus on your relationship with yourself uh, because once you start talking outside, there are a lot of other factors that I'm not taking into account. Uh, mm. And um, like any kind of relationship with another person has obviously dynamics of two people. I talk about one person. Now, with that said, I don't believe that we can survive in just our company. Yes, we have to be comfortable mm -hmm. in our company. We have to know ourselves. Right. But we, we really get to explore ourselves in relation to the world around us. And that's very mm -hmm. important. And it's a very interesting relationship because on one side, and I say that in the book, your relationship with the world is a reflection of your relationship with yourself, but you need that reflection. So for you, the picture that you just described or the scenario that you just described, it's a very beautiful example of how uh, your relationship with the world can actually highlight to you things about yourself. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yes, you, you do discover yourself in, in uh, interaction with other people. Of course, because they are the ones who, who create that sometimes contradiction or trigger you or, or the other way around. They, right. they, uh, you know, they may create really good emotions in you just with yourself. You wouldn't have that range. Right. right. Like I know I have a group of girlfriends that when we are with each other, it just feels like we can just put it all out there. There's no judgment. There's no... Um, Judgment is the big one, right? Because I think when we're not authentic with ourselves, it's because we're usually afraid of what other people are going to think of us. And so that to me is like, and every time we leave that experience with one another, we always say, oh my gosh, that felt so good. It felt like I could just be who I am. And I don't need to stand behind the wall of, you know, you talk about the good girl, but like the perfect mother, the I've got it all together, you know, the good wife, whatever it is, however people choose to put the masks on that they wear. So when you moved into rediscovering or discovering your authentic self, what do you feel like was what you started to shed in that transition? What, what facades, what masks? So, so facades, facades is just the, the outside thing, which is easy to, to notice. And usually that's, um, that's the things that we get, uh, attached to. You can be, and I, I'm going to, I think if you have people like that, it's beautiful because they help you to get to know yourself better. But mm -hmm. there is a possibility where you are very comfortable with people very comfortable, very at ease. You don't need to pretend. And you're not still true to yourself. Because your relationship with yourself has something to do with you and not with the outside world. You can be, you know, you can be delusional and be absolutely at ease, naive, you know, be yourself, but you can still, you, you can still live in a delusion. So 
for you to understand who you are, it's not necessarily just about facades, although we do put up masks. Although, you see, I don't think that the masks is the problem. Uh, it's a part of our interaction, social, social fabric. We have to adjust our behavior to our social environment. Very simple example. You have girlfriends with whom you feel yourself. And imagine you have a close family member, uh, you know, a child, for example, and you also feel yourself, but you do present two different facets of yourself. And both of them are true to you because we mm -hmm. are not very simple creatures. We are multifaceted and we right. have to adjust to our social environment because if we don't, this is actually a psychological disorder. So it's normal to wear masks and occasionally we have to wear a mask of being extra polite or extra civil. And that might be not exactly, you know, you're, you're maybe not at ease, but you, you have to, you have to be, um, you in know, that in that environment, in the, the environment, environment. Which, is, which is, which is fine. The problem happens when you start prioritizing one of your social roles over the other, deprioritizing mm -hmm. the other one, when you start mm -hmm. deprioritizing it to the point where you dissociate from it, where you associate very much with the social role that you prefer. And we naturally mm -hmm. tend to prefer social roles which are valued by society. So very simple example, a woman entrepreneur or a woman leader would more likely prioritize herself being a leader than a woman, whereas these two social roles are actually mm -hmm. contradictory or a parent entrepreneur entrepreneurs uh, uh, unfortunately society values entrepreneurs higher than parents so mm -hmm. imagine a busy daddy comes home and forgets that he's a daddy not just a businessman or you are a celebrity an influencer and you forget with your friends that you're actually a childhood friend these, this is where the problems right. start arising when, because it's okay that we have different social roles. What is the problem is that we start dissociating with certain social roles, prioritizing other social roles and playing that, that scenario out. We, because the thing is that we need to feel good about ourselves. So for example, mm -hmm. if, if I, as an entrepreneur have to fire someone who is my friend, you know, my two social roles are in conflict, me as a businesswoman and me as a friend. Mm -hmm. And in different prioritizes me. Yourself of and, who you but, are. That, but you right? know what's the problem? I can prioritize businesswoman, but naturally I'm going to now twist my reality to justify what I did. And that's where the problem starts happening. That's where we start forgetting. Mm we start justifying our actions and our world starts distorting, our reality starts distorting. And, so and that distortion the, is the delusion that I was talking about. Right, that makes sense. So where is the true self then in that? So the example you just gave, so you're the entrepreneur and you're also the friend who now as the entrepreneur has to fire your friend. Where do you internally find your true self in that? How do you how do you look at yourself in the mirror? What does that look like? So, with with that is a, a is a little bit tough example, but I've fired a lot of friends over years. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that there are, there's a difference between firing and firing. And I learned that uh, I learned that a long time ago, and I know it's not helpful in the moment of you having to let someone go, but philosophically speaking, uh, and I can be philosopher in my business, you know, if um, 
if a person doesn't fit a position, very often that person doesn't, um, is not thriving in that position. Mm-hmm. And there is an objective, there is an objective side, of course, of their uh, livelihood and salary and, you know, their obligations. Of course, there's that objective side. So I've had to fire sometimes people with a very, very long period of transition so that they actually catch up to the new reality. I've had to fire people on the mm-hmm. spot because the business couldn't uh, sta- handle it. And we had to figure it out, you know, everybody in their own terms. Very often the intention that you put in that decision matters much more mm-hmm. than what this decision looks on the surface. So once, once I had to let go of half of my team because of uh, an economic crisis that, that hit uh, one of our huge markets, um, and I'm not talking about Mind Valley right now. <laughs> I've done a few businesses <laughs> just just for the context. <laughs> and 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 then uh, I delivered a baby, and one of the guys that uh, that I had to let go literally half a year earlier was the first guy to come with roses to congratulate me on my on the birth of my baby. Mm-hmm. So you can do that. You can do that uh, with integrity, uh, mm-hmm. with uh, compassion with care Mm -hmm. and yes business is not charity but business also can handle a little bit of stress so you can stay human so it's really about the intention and the humanity behind the action if it's authentic to who you are there's well if if being authentic means to be uh excuse me an ass to everyone then i guess how does this play itself out here well if that's if that's what what it i mean i i don't think anybody truly is authentic in that in that sense uh Usually, but if it's if it's not a contradiction in your heart, then <laughs> you probably wouldn't even bat an eye. But I, I suspect that these people don't have a lot of uh, close people in their life. Right, right. So, how do you see being authentic while also feeling like an imposter? Because you talk about imposter syndrome, which is huge. I see it in my practice all the time with people who have been in a job for. 30, 40 years, and they still feel like they, like someone's going to figure out that they don't know what they're doing. I think it's because their picture of authenticity also um, entails that they are worthless. And and that's why we can be authentic and feel like an imposter. because self-doubt is, uh, is is just something what we do, especially if we are faced with a challenge which is very new and big for us. Uh, it's natural, but somewhere in that picture of our ourselves, we 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 maybe don't think that we are worthy of what we are doing. Now, um, I I don't think that being authentic is a solution to imposter syndrome, <laughs> but being kind to yourself is. <laughs> mm-hmm. and the self-love piece that you were talking yes. about and usually usually so basically authenticity you know is not really my direct area of study it's a result of mm-hmm. you sorting out your relationship with yourself now imposter syndrome mm-hmm. is something that happens on this path but one of the things that i suggest people do on uh, while fixing their relationship with their, themselves is being kind to themselves is compassion and that piece mm-hmm. helps with imposter syndrome Mm-hmm. And how do you think we can have more compassion for ourselves? 
What does that pool practice look like in practice? <laughs> it's it, yeah, it is it is practice as in uh, you know how do how do you express compassion to other people? It's um, I would say that the hardest part about this practice is um, being compassionate to yourself when you don't feel like it. Mm -hmm. That's the hardest, mm -hmm. hardest piece of the puzzle, because, you know, while we are listening to, let's say, a podcast or, or sitting at a lecture or reading a wise book, it's easy to be kind to yourself. But once mm -hmm. we uh, make a blunder or fail at something or feel that we we are worthless or, you know, why, why am I on the stage? Why am I writing this book? You know, mm -hmm. who am I to sh share anything with anyone? Uh, that's when that's when you need your self love and compassion. That's that's the real test. Mm -hmm. And how do you and do so that? You practice. <laughs> you start practicing. Right. <laughs> right. It's all about practice. I think it's all about just like tripping and falling and picking yourself back up again and I tripping can, and falling I, and picking yourself back up. Like like kids when they learn to walk. But I do have one trick which helps. If you can remember that, I mean, not you, but people who are listening. Yeah. Anybody, uh, who's anybody who's listening, especially when it's the hardest to remember it, it's replacing judgment with curiosity. Mm, that's so great. Yes. So, so the moment when you, for example, you failed a project, Mm -hmm. Rather than rather than making judgment, passing judgment on yourself and on, on everyone on everything, just stay curious. I wonder what happened. Oh, I wonder did, why did I feel like this? Why did I do like this? What could I do? But just just curiosity, any kind of curious questions. Remove judgment, replace with curiosity. Well, and that's really when I think about what it's like in therapy, in good therapy. That's what it is, right? It's asking questions from a as a therapist from a place of curiosity, from a place of trying to know more rather than trying to move towards some sort of judgment or shame or blaming or guilt. It's like, just tell me, tell me more about that. I want to understand that better. That, that forces someone to go in deeper, to look deeper inside, to ask themselves the questions about, why they might have done what they've done or made a choice that they made or feel what they feel or whatever it is. And I would suggest, um, you know, narrowing down your questions as in, um, you know, what does it say about me? What does it highlight about me, about my values, about my, my character? I think these are really good questions uh, because when you have a, uh, you know, a what, a why, uh, then, then that makes you, uh, look for answers. I've, I've practiced it uh, quite a bit. I've, I've done a lot of interviews where I'm host, and I'm sure you you can relate to that. Sometimes somebody says a statement on air, and you're like, "Ooh, I don't agree with that." But of course, as a host, usually most hosts, <laughs> most hosts are not going to, uh, to 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 be bluntly, you know, arguing. So what helps me in those right. situations is trying to understand why a guest said what right. they said. And surprising right. thing that I've noticed, because I've interviewed, I do not know, 300 people from all over the, all works of life. What I've noticed that when I have this mode of just trying to understand, not disagree, mm -hmm. not expose, and trust me, with my 20 years in personal growth, <laughs> I could disagree and expose left and right. But right, just trying right. to stay curious and understand 
has always, always, without fail, led to the point where I would think we, we don't really think very different. It's just that we have slightly different paths right. to the essence. Or maybe even, exactly, or maybe even ways of, like you said, paths to the essence. So as someone who has been in the personal growth space for, <clears throat> excuse me, 20 years, how do you see transformation happening within a person? It's, uh, it's a little bit of a miracle, you know, <laughs> but it's also, it's also something which I think could be trained. And I think that maybe sounds a little bit scary, <laughs> but uh, because you see why it's a miracle, because we very often live in that fog and delusion and um, how, how it happens uh, for most people is that, that we, you know, knowledge doesn't change a thing. We started mm -hmm. this conversation with me saying that almost nothing out there is new. Uh, a lot right. of the ideas that we're talking about right now have been expressed by people before us, way before us. It's just that we give them a modern clothing. Uh, so mm -hmm. nothing is new then. Knowledge doesn't change a thing. Your life changes when you start seeing, when your reality kind of shifts. It's, that's why we are talking about paradigm mm -hmm. shift, uh, that you, you thought that aging meant uh, poor health and, you know, reduced lifestyle. And then after a few years or a few decades nowadays, humanity starts, the humanity's paradigm about aging is changing. So you suddenly see things differently. But for you to see things differently, you have to, you have, to have an experience. So knowledge plus experience gives you the transformation. Experience without knowledge is just is just a roller coaster. Because let's say you have a trauma, if you don't have a knowledge around that trauma, it can just leave a scar and not transform you. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. these two things, these two things plus the support usually, and, and I don't talk about that in my book because support implies like you know interaction with other people, but usually having someone in your life to support you is another is a third crucial point for transformation but i think it's a trainable skill because the moment when you uh when you are capable of seeing through uh through the delusion in which we live and our uh, our view of the world is an illusion uh which is mm -hmm. we're touching upon a very philosophical topic right now but you know right. your, right. your 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 beliefs feed on your evidence your brain uh your nervous system has actually this um or, or the uh, the brain has this region reticular activating system which which uh determines which of the millions of stimuli that you have during the day you're going to notice Mm -hmm. So, so if you believe in something, you're going to notice that if you, uh, if you don't imagine something, you will never even notice that a very, very simple example would be mm -hmm. that, you know, the, uh, Nordic nations, uh, which have, uh, 10 months of winter have hundred words for snow because that's part of their reality and they can detect the differences for someone from the equator where I spent 16 years of my life. Snow is just snow. Because mm -hmm. in their picture of the reality, it doesn't make any difference. So your, your, your ideas about reality, reality actually determine what you see in it. So, mm -hmm. uh, so right. the glasses no. with which you wear determine your reality. Or the, whatever you focus on is going to uh, determine what you notice. Your your mm -hmm. goal defines your perception. So with, with all that said, the moment when you understand that your reality is just this 
continuous solution, uh, it gives you a few interesting choices. Choice number one is you get to choose which delusion you want to live in. As one of our author, uh, Marissa Pierce, she's a psychotherapist, she says, uh, pick a better lie. You know, if anything that you believe in is in essence a lie, just pick a better lie right, that works right. for you. But with that said, it's really helpful if you understand that whatever lie you pick is just a lie. And that's right. something that we are, that's, that's the thing that it is the hardest because we get so mm. set on what, uh, on, on our picture of reality that uh, admitting the idea that you might be wrong is painful. It feels like you mm -hmm. have to give up mm -hmm. part of yourself, part of your identity, part of your history. Oh, yeah. For example, you know, when, when me and my uh, now ex-husband decided to divorce, you know, when people divorce, very often the part of the pain is the idea that those years that we've spent together, is that now in vain? Is this something that I have mm -hmm. to toss away? So be, because, because of that, that uh, scary thought that if I change my point of view, does that mean that everything before that was meaningless? So we right. have really hard times uh, adjusting. Now, I think that the moment when you realize that everything, uh, the way you see the world, most of it is an illusion. It's, it's just a belief that you chose to believe, and that's why you see so much evidence to that. And with that said, at any time, any moment of time, you might be wrong. That gives you freedom. Because you mm -hmm. get to, you get to change. Only, only when you see your own delusion will you be able to do transformation on well. Last question: What does it mean to be flossom? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, it's such a funny thing because I wrote the book and then the word flossom came afterwards, so we had to squeeze it into the book a little bit in That's one of great, the. <laughs> a great one. It really is. It's, in one of the latest edits, we, we added the flossum here and there. And then, um, and, and then they said that, um, you know, how do you define it? And it's not defined in the book, but I have a definition for it. Uh, being flossum means uh, recognizing your imperfection and, mm. and still thriving with it or choosing for it mm. to be your strength rather than your weakness. Mm -hmm. mm. Christina, thank you so much for your time today. Your book is when is it coming out? I know I have a, a it's out pre it's out. Okay. Cause that the edition I have has like not for sale all over it. So I was like reading through the, the PDF we can't, of that. So, you know, we can't hide from it. It's everywhere now. So it's out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the book is out now. If people want to learn about your work specifically, because now you are probably, I mean, I I'm, imagine you've been one of the teachers at Mind Valley, but now you are your own standalone entity with, <laughs> with bo this book and many other books before this. Where can people find your information? What, where can they learn about you? So the best way is Christina Mund. If it's christinamund.com, it's my website. Otherwise, on all social media, I'm Christina Mund, but I'm from Estonia, so it's with a K, Christina with a K, and the family name's M-A-N-D. Well, thank you so much for your time. All your information will also be in my show notes. Uh, this is so exciting. Congratulations on the book. And thank you for sharing your perspective, having had you know experiences with so many other transformational leaders, healers, personal growth experts. This was just super helpful and really interesting and a different way to think about how we live and how we think about ourselves in the world. So thank you so much. 
Amy, thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Like what you heard today and want to hear more? Wondering what comes next and what it all means? Head over to Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts and hit subscribe. Also, if you could take a minute to rate and review my podcast, I would really appreciate it. Stay tuned as we continue to explore life, death, and the space between. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.